feeling a little extra today? We got you some bonus. Bam! Dash of the duo. Number 101. We've got Hugh Sinclair from WSSC. This episode is brought to you by Rogue Water Lab. Hi, this is Seth Siegel, author and senior fellow at the University of Wisconsin-Milwaukee's Center for Water Policy. This is the podcast that is demonstrating the value of communication in the water sector. It's water in real life with my friends, the H2 duo, Stephanie Corso and Ariane Shipley. We are proud to announce our new nonprofit venture, Rogue Water Lab. A tribe, an experience, a calling, a hub where you can learn, connect, and grow. The lab is cultivating the next generation of innovators in water communication and education. Why? Because progress is a human story. And those who tell the stories rule the world. So the question now belongs to you. Are you ready to join the revolution? One of my most fun initial conversations for season four was getting to talk to Mr. Hugh Sinclair from WSSC. I immediately knew that we were birds of a feather flocked together, mm-hmm. and then we got to have a great combo with him, too. We talked about a lot of cool stuff. Oh, my gosh. So we talked about, like, what is possible in the industry. Um, he has this awesome acronym. I'm going to just go ahead and give all the credit to him. I don't know if someone else coined this, but I think it's him. <laughs> um, so PPE, you normally think it's protective, you know, gear. Personal but, protective equipment. Yeah. But in Hugh's case, it's positive points of engagement, which is cool. I love. And of course, Hugh's on a mission to rebrand the image of the engineer. So that's a tall order. Just kidding. We love you guys. (laughs) We do. We do. Just kidding. Um, But also, he then explains, you know, why he thinks customer engagement is undervalued and storytelling is misunderstood. All of our favorite topics in one podcast. I don't know. I, I think we only had like five questions in this one because we were just so... Oh, man, we we got on a few soapboxes, but I think you're going to dig it. So let me tell you a little bit about uh, Mr. Sinclair. He's the manager for the asset management section in the production department at WSSC. He oversees a staff that is responsible for the development and implementation of the asset management program for vertical infrastructure, which includes seven wastewater treatment plants, just a few, you know two water filtration plants, and many other supporting facilities. This includes tracking the condition and performance of vertical assets, optimization of operations and maintenance strategies, capital planning with the objective of continuous improvement of WSSC's level of service. He has spearheaded the development of several programs and projects in asset management at WSSC, many of which have been industry-first initiatives. He holds a bachelor's degree in civil engineering, a master's degree in environmental engineering, from Howard University, but he's got communication in the heart. Mm -hmm. So without further ado, let's get to the show. Well, we are so excited to be here today with Hugh Sinclair from representing WSSC. He's our, uh, I guess, our third, third third WSSC representative. Yeah, coming in strong on the podcast. So, Hugh, thank you for being with us today. Oh, happy to be here. Happy to be here. Uh, Before we kick off into the questions, though, just given 
the situation that we are in, we are still in uh, full pandemic mode here. Um, I just want to ask, like, how are you doing? How is life? Yeah. I know you've got some littles in the house, too. And yeah, so quarantine is interesting. You know, uh, I'm definitely going to give big kudos on Teacher's Day next year. Uh, oh, they deserve boy. everything. You know, a, a three-year-old and an and a eight-year-old. Yeah interesting times insane it is absolutely crazy i think i think i have more trouble getting my uh virtual class meetings for my kids more than more than it is no stuff for work it's like this is crazy uh you know but hey we're trying to survive it trying to make it work uh hands all dug in right now into trying to create a plan as to how we transition back to work so i'm burning it on both ends but hey we make it work on one hand i'm like Yay, school's over because our we just turned in our last bit of work this week. Oh, lucky you. On the other hand, though, I'm like, oh my god, we have till August, and like, what are we gonna do between now and then? Yeah, yeah. <laughs> gonna and get all your parenting medals oh, all the way gosh. in. Yeah, it's just... so. Where are you in the United States right now? Yeah, so I'm in uh, I'm in Maryland actually. So uh, for us. I guess, or stay-at-home orders lifting on Friday. Okay. Uh, but for the counties that we're in, uh, we're probably still going to be under it uh, because we still haven't gotten the numbers yet. So yeah. mm-hmm. it's it's kind of nuanced how you kind of deal with this. But Totally, yeah. Yeah, yeah. that's where I'm at. Okay, so we're going to jump into the first question. Um, and it's <laughs> something that we ask everybody. Um, so I want to know... Hugh, did you choose water or did water choose you? Uh, interesting question. I think it was really more, I chose water, but I really didn't know what I was getting myself into. Tell me about <laughs> it. So in undergrad, I took an environmental engineering class and professor came to me at the end of the class and was like, hey, listen, man, you know, they're pretty good on class. And I have this research project I'm working on. And uh, it's pretty cool, pretty interesting stuff. I was like, oh, yeah, sure. Mm-hmm. Went and checked it out. It was like, yeah, so the first thing we're going to do is that we're going to go down to the wastewater treatment plant and collect some sludge samples. I'm like, Ooh. what? <laughs> I was like, okay. And then, yeah, I mean, the perfume factory was definitely on point that day. Mm, nice. Uh, but, you know, I got over that initial shock of it and I've been stuck in it ever since. So, <laughs> I think I chose water, but I really didn't know what I was choosing. But wastewater chose you. Yeah. <laughs> oh, yeah. Wastewater chose me. Needless to say, needless to say, after that, you know, it was more about, you know, yeah, don't worry about it. You know, I change my clothes to before I go to the next class. You know, it's yeah. always interesting giving people that <laughs> disclaimer yeah. when you yeah. see you yeah. walking down the hallways and two buckets of sludge. It's like, oh, okay. okay. Real yeah. Sick. yeah. <laughs> Nice. So I think for the majority of our, uh, b- both of our careers working in water utilities, doing public education and, and outreach and communication, um, we primarily focus on the water side. And, you know, we talked about the ways that people could protect the their sewer system and things like that, but we didn't spend a lot of time at wastewater treatment plants. And we didn't really spend a lot of time with professionals in that area until Ironically, we left the water utility world and started, um, well, this podcast and Rogue Water and all of that. And our first real experience was going to the water reuse conference that happened in Austin. We went there to go see some friends that were presenting. And we're sitting there in this presentation and 
like the crowd is heckling the speaker. They're giving true feedback. Like, I mean, they're actually, when they say, are there any questions, like hands are popping up and just all this engagement and like all this humor, fun. We went to a, a pure water brew taste testing afterwards and we were like, wow. We have found our tribe. Like we, we have come to the dark side. Yeah, yeah. It. It's it's just so funny that our involvement in WEF and on you know the MA side just increased exponentially after we left the utility world. So I mean, there's um, nothing better than shit talking in my book. Oh, that yeah. is true. There's, there's I no fit right in. It. Yeah. Yeah. Yep. Stay in the gutter. That's how you yeah. do it. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, puns for or, days. Or better it's yet, great. Stay, stay in the sludge fight. Yeah, stay yeah, in yeah. the sludge. All right. So bringing it back to comms, as you know, because you follow us on social media and um, have yeah, listened to the podcast. Twitter rock stars. Yeah. <laughs> as you know, we're incredibly passionate about this idea of communicating to the audience, 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 audience. We preach this all the time, you know, making sure that we're creating content that's made with our end user in mind. They're the ones that we're, that we're doing it for. And it, it's really difficult to do that without doing your homework on yep. who your audience actually is. Do you think, in your opinion, that we do enough work as an industry to learn more about our customers and what makes them tick? Uh, you know, obviously, we have our opinion. So, what's yours? <laughs> so, so you, you you hit a hot button for me. <laughs> All right, um, right off the gate. Right uh, off the gate. Yeah, no question about it. You know, this has been one of my main struggles in the water utility industry. It's like that. I think the major misconception is that we're a product-driven enterprise and we're actually a service-driven enterprise. Absolutely. And and the concept of a service-driven enterprise is the fact that your customer and the perceptions of your customers are your most valuable asset. So in that sense, we do far little, if any, uh, research, surveys, you know, even good feedback or have any heightened sense of awareness as to who our customers are, what they want, how they want to be communicated with, uh, the type of service that they want, I think is really, uh, we're captive to the monopoly mindset mm. where because we have this misperception that we don't have to, have to compete, but we actually do. Uh, my mission for the last couple of years has really been to talk about the fact that Water needs to move from this product orientation to service orientation and the fact that we are in a competitive business because we're competing against every other essential service. Uh, and the funny thing about it is that we all have the, the, the basic tools to do this because we ourselves are all customers, mm, right? Yeah. If you think about it in that sense, yep. what is your real perception of your water utility? You know, it, it, is your perception level really high on your scale of, hey, these guys really know what I want. You know, they're always reaching out to me. Or is it that, oh, here we go again. Uh, mm-hmm. It's another water main break. Or yeah. the, build is, the bill is going higher. So I've been trying to really help us to pivot towards understanding that we need more positive points of engagement and not just yeah. contact and communicate with customers when something is wrong. That's not the objective of customer communication and advocacy. Uh, you build up the credit, then you use the credit. Yeah. You just mm-hmm. don't run into the negative all the time and then expect that you're not going to get any pushback. Exactly. Yeah. I love that you created your own acronym for PPE. Oh, positive, yeah. po- you said positive um, 
Now I just blinked on it. Positive points of engagement. Positive <laughs> points of engagement. Because <laughs> yeah. then I started going to <laughs> what PPP really stands Positive for. personal, wait. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Yeah, positive points of engagement. Because so, I, mean, I love if, that. If we really look at it, for most utilities, uh, you really want to communicate with three different mediums. One, through a bill. Two, through a customer notification, which is usually because of some extraneous circumstance that is usually relaying a negative message, right? Or in itself, just that communication of calling into the utility or you reaching out to them. And it almost always, it has some kind of reactionary con connotation to it. Mm, yeah. We do very little branding. We do very little understanding as to creating and building a customer perception that helps to push us to the point of building up that equity so customers are willing to pay. The, the misperception and what, one of the things I've been trying to tell people is this, we understand the concept of why somebody pays for Amazon Prime. It's yeah. not really because of all these things that you see. It's the fact that there is a certain customer expectation that's built in. I'm getting it in two days. Nobody's mm -hmm. going to heckle me about returning something, right? And everything else that comes with that brand identity. As water, we don't have that. You know, For a long time, we relied on reliability. People don't really pay for reliability anymore. People pay for convenience and people pay for uh, a very high level of understanding of their needs. And mm. we probably need to pivot towards that. Yeah, because I remember one of the first times we had a conversation, you brought up that fact about how try to think of another industry that doesn't invest yeah. tons into market research and understanding uh user uh user experience and user perspective and and what makes people tick and i you know going back to taking on that monopoly mindset i guess we feel like people are going to drink or people are going to use water whether whether we do that or not but it's really not for us it's really not about that and i think the best way you know we talk a lot about rehumanizing the industry and we talk about building trust and we talk about like all of the benefits that come from having a trusted organization but i think one of the easiest ways to put it is just the way that you said it and shifting from this product mindset that you don't just offer product, you yeah. also offer a service. And just because you were creating a quality product and one that you put a lot of faith mm -hmm. in doesn't mean that you then get to neglect the service mm -hmm. side of it right. because more so that's how people, that's what people remember. Yeah. Is, we're emotional creatures. You know? Yeah. That's, that's how we respond. And if you look on it, one of the main, uh, you can think about one thing that's really the flashpoint that tells us why this is an issue, bottled water, right? Mm. Bottled water has really leveraged against the inefficiencies in poor business model and created a huge profit margin. It's the number one selling uh, beverage in the country, right? Highest gross product margin of any beverage that's sold, right? 60% of it is sourced untapped, but then resold based on branding, communication, and high levels of awareness as customers mm -hmm. at a much higher clip. Uh, if you look on it, it's really like an 18x cost of uprun on it mm -hmm. uh, when you're looking on the fact of, hey, and for some of this stuff, it's mind-blowing ridiculous that they're selling you purified water, which is basically tap water, yep. right? And the fact is people are willing to pay, but why are they willing to pay? They yeah. understood 
convenience, they understood branding, and they met the customer where they were. The only reason you can do that is by understanding who you're serving. I'm glad you brought that up because that basically <laughs> is the next question or um, topic I wanted to get onto for a minute was that um, our, our little soapbox of bottled water. I'm going to soapbox hard in a minute. Yeah. So, you know, our question really, and you started answering it so we can dive deeper into this, but, you know, what can we learn from the bottled water industry um, to improve our own communications and marketing strategies? Yeah, I mean... To me, it's, it's somewhat of the, I try to analogize it with the Kodak model, right? Mm-hmm. Where Eastman Kodak thought that they were really in the film business. They didn't think that they were really in the image Yeah, I was going to pause and say, if you don't know what Kodak is, YPs, <laughs> go Google Kodak. We used yeah. to have this thing called film we had to put in our cameras. <laughs> yeah, <true that. laughs> yeah you, you, the, the days of the disposable where you had to do the winding. I just found two in a box and I was like, I am terrified, but also excited. What is on That's this what's camera? That's going to be on there, right? <laughs> That's the only camera my mom uses, by the way. Wow. <laughs> okay, keep going. Tell me more about Kodak analogy. Yeah. Come on. So, so I mean, really, the thing about it is this. Um, it's a misunderstanding as to what business you're in, right? And the fact is, is that what we can learn from bottled water is the fact that they're basically just leveraging on a product that they get. And the reason why customers are willing to pay and the reason why, you know, take a simple example. Most water utilities, when you have a boil water notice or any breaking service, we compound the issue by we roll out and we're saying, hey, guys, here it comes. Let's give you all these bottles of spring water, right, that we're giving to you when we're in uh, somewhat of a quality crisis, right? Mm-hmm. So we're reinforcing this uh, branded idea that this is a better, higher quality product, right? We put very little work into uh, any kind of counter campaigns or anything for them to understand. Do you understand the difference is just quality, uh, quality wise, the FDA controls bottled water, which has very, very low uh, testing limits that has to be on it, right? Yep. So just the fact that the facts are on our side, but we never leverage it at no. all, right? No. And I think one of the major misunderstandings is people think that bottled has no impact on tap, but it does because when a customer is perceiving as to what they're willing to pay for, if they're not willing to drink it, they're not going to pay for it. Exactly. So if you're going to marginalize yourself into being only somewhat of a gray water operation, you're in big trouble. Mm. The only Mm -hmm. way that we do that is really by building up for customer trust and understanding. And they have to do that through communication and branding and constant, uh, pivoting and reacting to the market atmosphere. And we need to really learn that question or else we're going to be blockbuster before Netflix. I mean, Mm -hmm. it's just, it's, it's the basic understanding of what's happening. Yeah. I mean, it's, yeah, there's so many, like, I have a question, rogue question. Like what if you are one of those utilities and you're like, I get it. I want to get trust you know, build trust and everything. But I also know that there's PFAS in the water, or I also know that there are these chemicals in the water that I just, I don't have the capacity to get out of the water. So how do I 
tell people to trust us, but the water's not the best. What are we, what are we doing for that? So for me, I think one of the basic things here is this. One, we do very little work in even letting them understand the level of complication it goes through to even get you the tap as it is right now. Yeah. Um, being a very reliable resource also has the connotation of people undervaluing the work that goes into it. So then you become judged only on the failures of the system, not based on the robustness of the system to stay reliable, right? Mm -hmm. So I think that's the first floor that you got to achieve. Uh, educating your customers as to what does it take to really get this from source to tap, right? Yeah. And removing that uh, misunderstanding that's there, that's th this really dark matter that's out there as to, well, I don't know what happens. I just turn tap on and it, and it comes. And the only time I hear about anything is either, you know, it's Flint or it's something else. Yeah. It's really talking about the negative connotation. Nobody understands about the fact, that, or put it this way, for most people, the fact that they go buy a filter system, they put in their house, that is really just a scaled down version of a water filtration plant. Yeah. <laughs> right. That that in itself gives you the understanding of that there's work that needs to be done. Yeah. So I sure. think we got to accept that the chances that we have also bottled water has. There's nothing magical about bottled water not having any of these so-called contaminants that we're talking about. Right. Exactly. Yeah. Same water. I mean, we need Same to... Water we need to like tell our story and we need to lean into those difficult messages. Like the one that Arian's talking about, because when you think about it, I mean, truth is truth. And whether you tell them about it now or tell them about it later. And that doesn't mean, I feel like some, some people feel like they have to have all of the answers and the right. solution yeah. and all of this. That's like a I'm like, No, just, you don't have to have everything figured out. You need to, need to include people in the conversation around the way and have like a plan. And if you have to reiterate that plan, that is also okay. But people just want to hear from you. Like, would you rather be the one as the trusted water professional to have these to have these difficult conversations with customers? Or do you want Primo Water Filter to be the ones that are telling people about this because exactly. that's what's happening? Or the, um, I can't think of the name now, but that other filter company that puts out a beautifully well-designed um, website version of everybody's CCRs that people oh, actually yeah. look at and engage with. And like, do you yeah. want them telling your story? Because your story is going to get told. But if you tell it first, then you get to control the narrative and you get to become the trusted source of information. But you have to be having them, even the ones that give you bubble guts. Like but you see, that's the thing that most I think we misunderstand the most in our industry. I mean, I I try to work through a leadership mantra of own the space first. Mm, right? Yeah. You own the space first, you you set the rules, right? And I think we're too used to reacting. Uh, and yeah. naturally we're a conservative industry. Yeah. We're extremely conservative when it comes on to customer engagement. Yeah. So uh, that in itself negates any goodwill we could bring up because customers now, even more than that, I think is going to become even more exacerbated because the, the level of expectation of based on connectivity and information flow right now, you're not proactive. The store is going to be told for you. Oh, and yeah. misinformation becomes fact the longer you take to respond. Mm -hmm. So I think even just initially engaging, even just to say, hey, we're aware of it, 
we're going to come back to you with answers mm-hmm. is better than the the Twitter sphere taking off, right? And everything else happening because uh, the way information moves now, stuff moves from rumor to fact real quick. Oh, yeah. Yeah. And to speak to your point in terms of what are we going to do? Because, um, you know, this the whole conversation happens around the lead issue with, you know, um, the first response being, well, we're not responsible um, for this amount. Like, you're responsible for yeah. that. And I'm like, well, true. But, I mean, I still want to be able to come to you as a water professional who's been doing this for decades and say, okay, I get that, but, like, now what? And, you know, if if it's a cost issue where I need to replace all the, you know, all the piping in my house. Okay, great. But like now what, you know? And so like working together, I feel like that shows a community. I just, you know, I always think back to like Kathy Bailey and like her approach to developing Mm -hmm. their lead program and really stepping up and saying, sure, it's not our problem, but water is my problem. And so like, we're going to figure this out as a community. Um, and it takes a lot of boldness, which, you know, she's not in lack of to, to do something like that. But um, I just like really stepping into our roles as those, as the water experts in our communities, regardless of how we, whether we are or aren't responsible for it, but just being that voice of leadership um, and stepping up for that, because I really feel like this, um, the lack in public trust. I mean, I think the JD Power and Associates yeah, survey the, just the came back and said brutal, 25% of people are, don't even drink their tap water. Yeah. Um, so drop in public trust or the rise of bottled water, you know, I just personally, I attribute that just to silence. I think our silence over decades let them come up in our house mm-hmm. <laughs> and talk noise the about it. <laughs> <laughs> they own the spot now. And then, you know, so, and even more than that, it, it took a while for most utilities to respond of, okay, you're not going to be giving bottled water out in meetings. You're going to yes. have, <laughs> you, yes. you're going to have your own water with cups, right? Uh, mm-hmm. Or, or even the fact that you're not going to have filters in your water dispensaries in your quit letting building. city council drink bottled water on their desks they, like, they, yeah. you know, that's the whole you thing make it a big deal like yeah but, but it goes back to the it goes back to that core service mindset you understand it's through the fact of what you're really selling is an experience for the customer yeah right? the product mm-hmm. is only the vehicle of what you sell right I just don't imagine like anyone rolling up into Nike factory or Nike, any of the Nike, you know, offices with Adidas or Reeboks on their feet. I just, oh, like the employees, the employees. Yeah. Like I just have a hard time people rolling up with like their branded gear, you know, all up in Nike, you know, they have a shame wall. I'm sure. Right. It comes back to really just challenging the paradigm. You know, yeah. uh, you, you spoke about Kathy and, and I really, I consider her partner in crime to be, you know, or CEO Carla Reed. And, Heck you know, yeah. Carla is uh, the, the one thing I really admire about her the most. She walked in and her thing was, okay, let's really talk about what really needs to happen. Mm-hmm. And she gave the challenge of, I want us to be our customers' favorite utility. Not just we want to be, oh, better than what we were. I want us to be our customer's favorite utility. Yeah. And she set the benchmark as world-class service. Yeah, right? yep. I remember so, that. Yep. I was talking about that. Mm. So the 
that in itself sets an expectation that the, the hardest issue in organizational change is overcoming the force of inertia, right? Especially in industries like ours where you don't have that external competitive force. Really all we have is regulatory force, right? And cost pressure. Then that's all we have. We don't really have that need, that constant pressure to respond to everything else to retain customers. Right. Yeah. And, and that's the monopoly understanding of it. But yeah. they heard us in another way. Every utility's major concern is how do you get people into a space where they're willing to pay for what it costs us to produce and deliver this thing to you? Yeah. And the reason why we're running up on that now is that we've completely exhausted the old model. And until mm-hmm. we start figuring out a value-added model, where you're not just getting just water, yeah, right? it's yeah. it's not gonna it's not gonna happen. Yeah. Right. Well, um, I'm glad you brought up Carla because uh, huge Carla fan. Uh, so before we go into another another um, in her well, dance moves, yes, another oh, point you guys of passion. Have just seen the small sample. Oh yeah. Another point of shared passion that we have, which is innovation, which we're going to get to in just a second. Uh, one of the things that I love just to kind of wrap up this conversation of product versus service, you know, so product is very transactional, yes. whereas service is more relational relationship, hence exactly. the word relational. And so I think that that really shined through in the example that she gave us with the the rate restructuring mm-hmm. uh, that went on at WSSC. And, uh, you know, if it was a purely transactional relationship, then she could have, or, you know, y'all as an organization and her at the helm could have been like, this, this is, is what, what it costs is. to do business. This is yep. the product that we serve. This is how it's going to go up. Yeah. But the fact that it was a priority to invest in the community outreach and engagement, and most especially the tool that you guys created. Yeah, the rate calculator, right? The rate calculator mm-hmm. so that people could be, Beautiful. could in advance see how this was going to impact them personally and then work together with you guys from there. Like that is demonstrative of a relational um perception of customers and so uh i that always sticks out to me in my mind when when i think about those too so kudos yeah to and yeah she that. she always puts in effect too that you know i am a customer of the utility as well yeah so decisions that i'm making i'm keeping in mind that uh i don't lose that hat when i walk in the building mm-hmm. yep. that's really one of the you know most impactful uh things in her toolkit that she utilizes a lot mm-hmm. and uh understanding that yes it is about a relationship and it's not necessarily about a bill yeah and i think that's where we really have to shift yep empathy is powerful so okay so yes innovation you're passionate about innovation in the water sector your organization as a whole is passionate about innovation and our experience is that a team organization that isn't communicating also isn't collaborating or innovating. So what's your take on communications role as it relates to innovation? So this is something I recognized very long time ago. Um, I'd have to say it's the non-engineer part of me being an engineer. (laughs) (laughs) But in any case, I think I, I put it back to this one Japanese proverb that I really take to heart, where it says that uh, vision without action is a nightmare. Mm. Right? And action action without vision, no, sorry, it's the other way around. It is 
Vision without action is a daydream. And action without vision is a nightmare. So if you understand the balance between both of those, I think in our industry, we tend to hit on the action without vision portion of it. Mm -hmm. And I think in that sense, we very seldomly ask about what is possible. And the whole point of innovation is looking on really what is possible. And I think what's so interesting now is the fact that COVID and everything that has thrown us into this space that we ourselves would never have brokered to enter at all has really made a lot of organizations, especially water utilities, realize that you really fit yourself in a box that you never had to, you know. The fact that teleworking in the water sector was this really taboo thing. Like, oh, no, 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 we don't do that. What are you yep, talking about? Would never, yeah. Yep. Ever. <laughs> what do you mean, Zoom? Yeah, <laughs> no. exactly. I do want to let me download that. At nine, it doesn't matter what it is. Yeah, exactly. Conference room, nine o'clock, six hours later. Yeah. Brought <laughs> in some pizza. Exactly. Yeah. That's what it is. And, you know, hey, uh, we're going to do a PowerPoint, but everybody needs a printout. You know, uh, <laughs> <laughs> oh my God, it's so true. Oh God, this so, is, you're making me not miss it. I miss <laughs> it on so many days, on so many days. And then I, I remember those meetings when I go, oh, oh my God. Yeah, but it, so, but the thing about it is, I think it really goes back to the core of, I think most people misunderstand what innovation is. I think innovation really comes down to the fact of you're looking for ways to optimize your performance. And the first part of that, is creating a general understanding of two things. What's the problem you're trying to fix? And what's the possibility that you can get out of fixing that problem, right? Mm. The only way you can do that is through communication. And the fact is we've, we very so much undervalue communication, but even more so, and I know you guys will agree with me, the biggest, I think the most effective part of communication is the ability to be a good storyteller, right? People, people made that transaction based on placing themselves situationally in a circumstance. And a story, being able to storytell allows people to place themselves in a vision. Uh, a vision by itself is not good enough. Uh, a story around a vision activates the players on the team to then figure out their part and to then accept the collective bargain that has to be there to get you from start to finish. Yeah. And I think com- the understanding that it's not just comms because most people really, when they talk about communication, they only think about emails, social media, everything else that's with that. Those yep. are just tools. Yep. Uh, the real work behind it is understanding how do you, how do you, you know, have that exchange of information, right? And that you have to figure out what's the best way to transmit that information, yes. Structured uh, communication through documents and others, all, all that other stuff is good, but it always should be a supplement to the storytelling that's mm-hmm. there. Those things are just added things in the toolkit because you got to go back to the primal mind as far as, as far as I see it. From you were a kid until now, the main way that you were taught is always through stories. And the things yeah, that mm-hmm. bring back the you know most the, the strongest emotional pulls, the highest levels of commitment are always through the ability to tie yourself back to a storyline that's in it. And I Mm -hmm. think if we understand that, and you see that in the industry anyway, most major brands are built around a story. And uh, in many cases, it's, you know, 
either the story of the entrepreneur who started it or the story of their development in the industry or the story of the positions they've taken in advocacy and how it actually works, right? And I think that in itself really will completely shift how we understand. We want to always think that we're different, but we operate in the same marketplace. And if we do understand that, then, hey, we'll just accept it and actually start finally being on a level playing field. Mm -hmm. Exactly. Yeah, there's so much neuroscience and psychology that just backs up everything that you just said. (laughs) Yeah. But uh, yeah, it's really the human in all of us that really puts us on that level playing field. And when we don't take the time to kind of learn how to add that to the equation. That's why I love the notion of the IQ EQ equation, because you really have to have both to have success. You have to have, you have to be innovative. You have to have the great ideas, but you also have to be able to communicate that to others, to get buy-in, to get, um, to get a whole team working together to, to make it happen. Uh, Yeah. Commitment is not a command. No. I think most people miss that. Yeah. Oh, for sure. Yes. But, um, well, I love that. I love that you, well, you mentioned that you are an engineer and, um, Which, yeah. Can we yes. just pause? I, I need every listener to <laughs> say, if I am an engineer, I can still communicate and be involved in storytelling. Like and you, sorry. Yeah. We, we're, we're trying to, re, we're trying to rebrand the, 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 you, you got to rebrand engineering. Yeah, yeah. 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 We're rebranding the image of the engineer. Well, I love that you you mentioned that, and I have to I have to pause to give you some some mad props and respect because you know we have we have a lot of people reach out to us on LinkedIn or through our website or email that um, are like, hey, we should do a podcast or yada yada yada, and I we can tell really quickly right off the bat that some of those people have never listened to an episode <laughs> or looked at the website or right. maybe even skimmed the the list of um the list of people that we've interviewed in the subject matter based on that so like so I have to give you mad props because when you reached out to us you actually came armed with you know you spoke in our language you talked about storytelling and and you know the power of communication and all this but we have this uh questionnaire of sorts that we send to people who reach out to us about being on the show and there's this like little word association game that we have at the end of it and so one of the words um is customer engagement and for that you said you know we were like what's the right off the top of your brain what's the first word you associate with that and you said undervalued for customer engagement and for storytelling you said misunderstood and I love this because, I mean, you are an engineer's engineer. You have a bachelor's in civil engineering, a master's in environmental engineering. Like you are engineer squared. Yeah. <laughs> so <laughs> tell us more about this, though. Like, why do you believe customer engagement is undervalued and how storytelling is misunderstood so, from an engineering perspective? Yeah, from an engineering perspective, I think it comes back to that product versus uh, service mindset. Yeah. Uh, where We'll look, far too many engineers look on the customer as the hostage in the, <laughs> in the equation, right? Yeah, yeah. We're like, hey, look, I'm going to design it. And this is what it's going to be. And uh, my job is just to get the water flowing. But the whole point of it is there is a reason why that exists beyond just the mechanical part of it. 
Exactly. And I think uh, when we, and that goes back to the whole vision understanding where, yes, there are different pieces that fit into it. Your role may not be in the fact that you're engaging with customers, but you have to have a mindset that understand why you have customers and what customers want, because it has to inform every part of your organization. And I think that's really uh, one of the things why I think customer engagement is misunderstood. And I think you, you find it even more when <laughs> you find a lot of utilities asking what are very obvious questions but struggling with the answers. Like, oh, why are people, you know, why do they want to pay this increase uh, on their water bills? Or, you know, uh, why do we get so much pushback when, when, when there's an emergency in the field? And, and the problem is, is that, you know, we, we miss the real takeaways because we're looking on the flares that are going up. Mm -hmm. um, uh, and the fact is, if we actually research and understood our customers, then we could see those things before they happen. And instead of reacting to a situational uh, uh, you know, problem, you'll actually have a strategic outcome that you were working on all the time. And then yeah. those situations fit into your strategic plan anyway. Yeah. Uh, so you're staying on message. If you, yeah. Um, yeah. And that's really where storytelling comes into it. So how is that misunderstood from an engineer's perspective? Because you articulated I, it so beautifully. So. so storytelling is misunderstood because I think most people want to believe that if they're in a technical field, they have no interaction with this at all. Mm -hmm. Right. Mm -hmm. And I think inherently, uh, inherently, I think is almost a disconnect between the vehicle and the driver. Mm. Uh, if you're looking at it that way, uh, the tool is not effective without the user of the tool, right? <laughs> right. Uh, yeah. And I think that's where the storytelling, the storytelling is the only bridge between the two. Mm -hmm. And I think it's, uh, it's very important that we understand that any utility, if it exists, has to, first of all, I think we need to do a lot more promotion on the fact that we are the lifeblood of the community. Nothing mm. develops, nothing expands, nothing is maintained without the water system. It's the first thing that goes in place. And I think that's one thing that people probably need to understand even better. If our community is understood that, hey, yeah, you want to expand your city over here, but nothing can happen until you put utilities in first. Yeah. Right? Uh, and if they understood that that is really the foundation of everything, which really goes back to the storytelling so that people have a full scope of understanding, then it would work. But I think storytelling is really more misunderstood from the base point of we think that we have no interaction with it as engineers. Uh, we think that, hey, if it's not numbers, if it's not calculations, uh, you know, if it's not in the spec, then, hey, what do we have uh, to do with it at all? And even more so, I think it's, it's, I think it's even more impactful because many engineers transition into leadership positions mm -hmm. where you move out of being a line engineer doing a design yeah. uh, into more of leading people mm -hmm. and understanding that when you're leading people, storytelling is your most valuable tool. Oh my gosh. Uh, yes. And I think that in itself uh, comes back to it because I've read quite a few, uh, you know, leadership biographies and one of the main takeaways from almost all of them is the fact that these leaders always transmit their vision through stories. 
uh, through a vision. Not through spreadsheets. Not through <laughs> spreadsheets, you know. And I think I think part of it is that the world was really introduced to this on a more mass scale when Steve Jobs started to do his product presentations, mm -hmm. right? Because yep. his approach was so different and was so captivating. He always talked about it in, in any storytelling that he was doing. Yep. You know, he spoke about it in terms of the state of the world as it is now and, you know, what they went through to develop this product and how did this product change your life? You know, what is this going to do for you? And you start envisioning yourself in a way that you didn't before. And, hey, you become an Apple junkie without even really knowing it. And it's really, you think that you're really buying the product, but really what you're buying is the vision of what that product supposed to, you know, transmit on you. Uh, really, Apple is a lifestyle brand, and that's what people really, right. you know, misunderstand. Yep. Yeah, it's just a phone or just some ear pods, but like, it's not just that. It's a lifestyle. It's a it's a culture right. now. Like, it's yeah. part of who you are. Yeah. Right. Exactly. Yeah. Right. And then, it, so when we understand how the how the water utility plays its role in the community, mm -hmm. if we then use that power to transmit that into what happens even now uh during covid one of the things that i'm trying to you know i uh, hope that we would do a lot better off is one of one of my pet peeves in this whole thing is the fact that we've been just silent on the sidelines uh all i gave all credit to healthcare workers who are on the front lines but you know what are utilities it's the first ppe that's there without yeah. that nothing else works right yeah uh and we really have just left the space completely open in terms of who does the public understand is on the front line for the response. And we've abdicated our role in being part of that story. Mm -hmm. And again, that comes to the perspective of understanding why is storytelling valuable. And if it is, then you'd understand why you need to engage because your recovery and the willingness of your customers to partner with you in recovery is going to be based on the stories that you tell now, not yep. the stories that you're going to tell then. Yep. Mm -hmm. I think there are a lot of telling so things. So if you want community transformation, our mentor, Greg, he <laughs> says that water is the catalyst for community transformation. So Definitely all is. you engineers or all you people, um, whether you're an engineer or not, becoming the leaders of your utility you can be the catalyst for community transformation. Yeah. And you have to step into that role to your point that you made earlier that nothing happens without water. And as we're telling our messages, reminding people of that, and that doesn't mean re reminding people humbly, like not coming in with like, you wouldn't exist without us. I mean, yeah. even though it's exactly. true, but like just reminding people because water is something that people take for granted and like anything that gets taken for granted you just, it's kind of in the background. And so reminding people of all the different touch points they have with water every single day and even like diving deeper into the, the hidden, the hidden water footprint, like in the food mm -hmm. we eat and the clothes we yeah. wear. And Watershed protection, all that kind of stuff. Yeah. I mean, we're going to be married to water for 20, 40 years, like all of us, you know, <laughs> are in our careers. We need to take care of our partner. Yep. And that partner's water. And we need to respect it, love it, date it, yep. court it, whatever you want to call it, like fancy it up. You know, you gotta you gotta take care of it. You can't let it yeah, I mean, take you know, advantage you just, you just of it. Got, the good thing is that you have some I mean, we're doing a lot better in our yeah. storytelling. Yeah. 
and you have a, some utilities who are just absolutely crushing it. I remember, I think I was in Toronto and I saw this billboard where it was like fast time brought to you by whatever, whatever utility. <laughs> I was like, Ooh, that's so dope. I mean, yeah. you know, so, so the, the, I'm kind of in your camp where, you know, I see the, I see a lot of this stuff through the lens of what's the message. And I think we, there's a lot of room, a lot of room for us to run. I'm going to tweak Ariane's point just a little bit because I agree that you do need to do all those things, but I, the focus does it. It's not water, it's customers. Yeah. Yes. Because that's why yes. I like, like, yes, water is life, but that, that falls deaf on people's ears. If they don't, well, what does that have to do with me? And you're like, well, mm-hmm. it's freaking obvious what that has to do with you. But again, you have to remind them. And so well, it we sounds weird to, to say date your customers. Well, yeah. <laughs> Court your customers. <laughs> but you do. That's, that, that's what to. it is. That's Water the relationship. Is the, love, the love between the two. Yeah. Mm-hmm. It's your shared interest. It's your, um, I don't, I can't think of it in relationship terms now, but yes. Date yeah, your customers. A, right. And, and You're and probably married to one. <laughs> yeah. You got to spice it up. And, and that's the thing. It's, it's a fact. No, you got to spice it up because the fact about it is, is that if you think about it in that sense, we're really the old reliable, you know? Yes. So, mm-hmm. and, we are not and, and, sexy. And exactly. And customers We've let exist. ourselves go. Exactly. <laughs> let ourselves go. We did. And customers exist in this space where they're, hey, they're seeing profile pics and everything every day saying, hey, look, look at this new shiny thing out here. Look at that shiny new thing out there. And then we keep asking, oh, or even more than that, my biggest pet peeve is the fact that we go out and we ask customers to pay more because the infrastructure is coming. It's like, oh. That's the worst thing you could ever do. It's like, the pipes are going bad, so you need to pay more money. It's like, that's the worst messaging you could ever have. Yes, it may be true, but that's not what people pay for. Uh, uh, so you got to really understand how you engage. And I think if it is, and well, part of why you guys know that, you know, I reached out because I'm trying to, I'm trying to, to, to find disciples for my message of product versus uh, service, right? Preach it. I think it if we can really find enough of a groundswell, especially with uh, this generational shift uh, in the industry now, yeah. bringing in new leaders who really understand the fact that the industry needs to pivot to understanding its true mission, which is world-class service through water, Yep. right? Then I think we really will make this something a lot more sustainable. Uh, and a lot more effective going forward because the one of the biggest crises that ha- isn't spoken about on a worldwide basis is the water crisis that's going to be coming. And yeah, ours. We got to really, we got to really lean into this as it is now, and understand that uh, it's going to be different. It is different, and we just really need to start working as that is now, not coming in the future. Yeah, we have to think like Netflix and not Blockbuster. Darn right. Yeah. We have to get rid of that side piece bottled water. We got to get rid of it. Came yep, up in the yep. house. Got to yep, you know, kick them out. Yeah, don't, out don't, don't swipe. Don't swipe right. No, no. <laughs> no, yeah. <laughs> All right, I, we're going to go into the lightning round. Yeah, because um, otherwise we're going to be here for hours. All day. <laughs> I'm sure um, you have better things to do than hang out with. Um, what did what did you call us royalty earlier? Yeah, you know, the, you guys are you, you guys are like you know the dope crowd in the water field. You know, what I'm saying all the cool kids hanging out with the engineers. I'm I'm, I'm probably gonna realize by t- the next time I uh, I see you guys at like Weftech or whatever that you know they got the 
the little booth set up over there because I oh can't talk to these guys now. You know, no, we don't do a booth because talk we to their booking agent. Much. Yeah, yeah. Talk yeah, to yeah. their booking agent. You know, next time we reach out to Stephanie on LinkedIn, it's like talk to my people. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> totally. That's totally us. Yeah, um, totally unapproachable. No, I, but I really just love what you guys are doing. You really need to shake it up because I think if we get that. Unfortunately for our industry, we got to speak the quiet parts out loud. And really, yeah. that's what you guys are doing. Yeah, we're giving everyone bubble goods. You're welcome. Uh, <laughs> All right. Okay, so off, Stephanie. name a moment you felt the most authentically you. So my most, uh, most authentic self is the fact that at heart, I'm an island boy. Uh, so we're from Jamaica. Um, nice. So... When you want to see me in my most authentic self, you put me around jerk chicken, food, and everything else has to do uh, okay. with that. I think um, when it comes on to that, it's usually in- interesting in the water industry when you run into like minds like that. And it's always funny because people see me switch into, you know, my 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 lingo and you're like Wait a <laughs> yeah <laughs> what's going nice. on here but that's that's when you see me in most my most authentic self so if you see me and if tail Bennett together i was gonna say <laughs> oh man that's watch my out. new that's my new that's, goal for yeah. whenever we all get to yeah. hang out again yeah you know we're, we're, we're having our, our, our current twitter battles in terms of what we're cooking you know there so you she, she's she's the winner right now but you know I'm gonna she's come a badass i love her y'all can yeah, mail that good. to us anytime yeah okay so Next question. This is a blank that you'll fill in. So I'm so glad I met blank this year. And it can count us through Zoom or LinkedIn. Ah, no, you guys are definitely top on that list because, what? no, for real, no, no doubt. Because I think part of it is the fact that I've been really thinking for a long time that, you know, hey, we need a vehicle that fits the moment right now to talk about what needs to happen. Mm. And, and it was really interesting for me running into you guys and figuring out, hey, wait a minute, somebody's doing this. Oh, <laughs> somebody's doing a podcast? Dope, because nice. I'm a podcast fiend. Ooh, and, yes. You know, so for me, and then on top of it too, I think breaking the mold in terms of just how you guys do it um, and really making it work uh, in the sense of being authentic about it, but still being impactful at the same time, which I think is, you know, is... It's needed and it works uh, in that way, you know. So, so I think, uh, yeah, I, I, I put you guys out there. I have a few oh. other people in, in, in the list, you know. Uh, sure. But I'm, I'm creating my, I'm creating my crew. All right. You know? Well, All right. we'll take it. Yeah. We'll take that. All right. This is another fill in the blank, and I forgot to preface with this is that we changed up our lightning round. Um, a while back and these are all based on our core values so if they seem like these are really random and why are they asking uh, it's because it's all here so fill in these the blank core values boldness looks like blank uh speaking your truth yeah mm. 100 yeah. perfect okay i stay curious by blank listening to podcasts reading books that's how i stay curious perfect I go to work every day so that my neighbors can not ask me why the water bill is so high. <laughs> Perfect. <laughs> nice. What's something you're deeply grateful for? I'm deeply grateful for people being willing to share their experience with me as I try to develop myself. Mentorship mm-hmm. is one of the things I value the most. Mm-hmm. Uh, 
I think I have to give a lot of credit to a lot of people who I've met over you know the last couple of years. Many of them who are uh, very willing to share about their experiences going forward. Um, you know, Calvin Farr was one of my first bosses at WSSC. He now heads up Richmond Water Utility. Uh, Carla is definitely more than willing to always share her experience. Oh yeah. Uh, you know, many people, and I think that's one of the that's one of the best things about the water sector is that we're willing to share, uh, mm-hmm. and we're willing to share the experiences. And I think many of those at the helm now understand that there needs to be a next. And I think that's the one thing I appreciate the most. Uh, and I think if many more of us coming up as emerging leaders in the industry embrace that and, and really lean into it uh, so that they can feel comfortable that they can hand over the baton, I think that would really be awesome. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Nice. Uh, well, if you've listened to any podcasts, you've heard us ask this question, but, uh, you know, in our line of work, working for utilities, doing public education and outreach, a lot of times we would hear like, what difference does it make if I make a change? I'm just one person, felt like it's going to make a difference. And we obviously wholeheartedly disagree with that statement. So what's the one call to action you're most passionate about that you believe can, could ultimately change the world? I think one of the main things for me, I, I guess that's really been two things. And the water side is really, you know, that message of product versus uh, service. Mm-hmm. In the larger sphere, and I think, you know, we can all relate generationally to this, is accepting that a diversity of backgrounds brings you the best outcome. Mm. And I think that is really one thing that I hope the world embraces the best because I think you find that context is the most powerful tool yep and context is based on experiences and once we really lean into that really embrace that i think not only the world will be a better place but everything about it will be a lot better yep i agree we're gonna <laughs> we're gonna end with that rockstar uh that rockstar statement so thank you so much for taking time out i know that I can check even my though we're working now <laughs> you can, <laughs> we know that r- scheduling things these days can be can be a challenge so yeah, we definitely appreciate uh, you um taking the time so thank you thank you yeah, no problem, man. this is this was this is fun this was fun we hope you enjoyed today's episode never miss out on future episodes by signing up for the water nerd newsletter found at the h2duo.com forward slash newsletter you can also find us on twitter and instagram at the underscore h2duo we share all of our new episodes there as well as in the newsletter so whether we come across your feed or in your inbox be sure to share episodes with your friends family colleagues fellow water nerds help us spread the word We hope you learned something new today, got a little inspired, or did something that brought you one step closer to your goal. Until next time, remember what one of our favorite quotes says, those who tell the stories rule the world.